This is a teaching message from Church of the Living Water of Austin. So, um, of course, we have another question today. But before we actually get into the question, I want to read the definition of marriage. And I know in most of these these teachings we are giving you the definition of marriage, and that's because it's important to remember what it is, what we're talking about. Because when we talk about the family, it starts with a marriage. So if we have the wrong perception or if we ever lose sight of what marriage really is, we're going to lose sight of what the family really is. So let's go ahead and listen to that. I'm going to read that definition for you. Marriage is a divine institution created by God whereby two rational, free moral agents, a man and a woman, who are born again, choose to enter into a covenant relationship with another imperfect person for a lifetime. That definition has a lot of loaded words in it. You've got an institution. It's created by God, our sovereign God. Then you have two Rational, that means they're thinking a certain way, they're free moral agents, nobody's making them do it. Nowadays we have to say this, one man, one woman, born a man, born a woman, not chose, that that you don't get to choose, just in case. I know we you chose, had the word choose in there earlier, but man and woman, you are who God made you in that sense. And then you're born again, and you choose to enter into a covenant relationship. And a covenant is a covenant. And you choose to enter into that covenant relationship with an understanding that is with an, another imperfect person. That means that you're also imperfect. Nobody in this relationship is perfect. God is perfect. So, And you choose to do that for a lifetime. So that's the definition of marriage. In today's question, here's the question that we have here. It says, all that was shared in the teachings will help with all parties within a blended family as well. So it's kind of posed as a statement, but it's a question. So it's saying, all the teachings, when you go back to last spring when Minister Stinson kicked it off about ministering to uh, the family, the spirit, when she kicked it off, all the teachings through all the way when Minister Eberhardt finished, all the teachers, teachings, even the panels would keep, of course the question was posed before the panels, but will help with all parties involved with a blended family. So that's our question. That's what we're going to be taking a look at today. And the quick answer is yes. But we're going to to get into that and we're going to give you some details and some practical application of how that answer applies to that, okay? And we'll go ahead and get that started. Amen. So first of all, we want to understand that the term blended family, that is not from God. That is not of God. It is a worldly and it is a man-made term. As we have behaved outside of God's standard for a marriage covenant, then we find ourselves in circumstances where we say that we are in a blended family. And um, just just in case someone is is not uh, understanding what a, what is being meant by a blended family, is generally uh, a man or woman who come into another relationship and marriage covenant with children. So either one of them, the, the father 
uh, has children or the man has children outside of this particular marriage covenant or the woman has children outside of this particular marriage covenant and now they are joining, they are married and so now they're saying that they are a blended family. So that is typically what blended means. Now if we're talking about blended any other way, okay, because sometimes that Okay, so we're talking about a man and a woman with children who have come in and they are blended. So any other, anything else outside of blended, I'm going to say that I don't even understand. Okay, so that's what we're talking about when we say blended. So um, understand that that was never God's intention for us to have a blended, what we call a blended family. And God has not created a different set of standards for a blended family, as we call it. Those in the home are those in the home, and that's the family. Whoever is in the home is the family. Regardless of where they come from, how they came about, if you're in the family, if you're in the household, you are a part of the family. And the roles and the responsibilities that God gave in the standard for marriage and for the children and just just the family unit, period, it does not change because you have a blended family. It does not change. It's, it's all the same. God, again, because God never intended, God never said anything about blended. You will not see any word in the scripture that talks about blended. He only talks about family. And that's just the bottom line. So the principles, we talked about the principles that govern. So what is a principle? It's just to give us a quick reminder. It's a fundamental truth. A principle is a fundamental truth that serves as the foundation for a system of belief or behavior. A principle. It is a fundamental truth that serves as a foundation for a system of belief or behavior. And so there are principles that govern the family. Principles that govern the family. And the principles are to be applied equally to any family, blended or not. The principles of God's marriage covenant and the principles of the family are to govern the entire family equally whether you considered yourselves blended or not. These are the basic few guiding principles directly related to the family union. One of the things that I wanted to point out, and God just, you know, he's always dropping little things, little tidbits. You know, I said that, that, that God does not change and he does not, you know, the plan of God does not change. What I want you to remember is, remember in, in, in the Garden of, of Eden, when he, God knew. So first of all, God knew that man would step outside of his plan. He already knew that. So he had a contingency plan, right? He put in place, he already knew from the foundation of the earth that he was going to send Jesus. But in this, what we're talking about, the family principles, he did not change. He did not change. He did not say. He did not make contingency, just like he made contingency for sin. He didn't make contingency for a blended family. He just said, family. So that's one of the things that I wanted to point out. First Timothy chapter 3. If you could turn there quickly with me. First Timothy chapter 3. So we're going to talk and just give a, a few. We're going to three. One, two, three. As it pertains to the man, the, 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 the husband, the, the father. As it pertains to the mother. As it pertains to the children. We're going to give three. These are just three basic principles. There, there could be others. And there are others. These are just three basic principles that govern the family. First Timothy chapter 3. Let's look at verse 
one. Three and one. It says, this is a true saying. Let's stop right there. This is true. So we talked about principles, right? Principles being a fundamental truth. That's what it is. It says, this is a true saying. If a man desires the office of bishop, we're not going to worry about office of bishop. Let's, let's jump down to verse 10. It says, and let though, and let these also first be proved. These, they're talking about deacons. And let these also first be proved. What does prove mean? That means it's tested. Tested and it's proved. Then, then let them use the office of a deacon being found, being found, another key word, found blameless. Even so must their wives be grave, not slanderous, uh, sober, faithful in all things. Let the deacons be the husbands of one wife. What does it say? Ruling their children and their own households well. Well, let me tell you, if you are going to be found faithful as a deacon, you got to be first found faithful as a believer. So they said found. That means that they were operating in these principles way before someone actually accepted them or placed them into the office of a deacon, a bishop, or whatever. Okay? So you have to be found. As a man, you have to be found with these different things, these different uh, attributes and characteristics. So it says the God, the, uh, um, even if one desires to be used in the household of God. So let's see, we can just take off deacon, period. If you want to be used in the household of God, period, then you must be found to be the husband of one wife, ruling your children and your own households well. How can you rule and how can you help in the house, in the, this household of faith if you cannot first have your house under subjection and be under certain rule. So, so that is, that's a key. That is a key and a fundamental principle for men. Let's go to Titus chapter 2. Titus 2, just a few pages over. Titus chapter 2, and we're going to look at verse 3. Titus 2, verses 3 through 5. The aged women, likewise, that they be in behavior as becometh holiness, and not false accusers, not given to wine, teachers of good things, that they teach the young women. So this is a principle. I'm not, I'm, not, I'm not necessarily talking about the principle of the older teaching the younger, but this is the principle they need to be teaching them, right? Uh, that they may teach the younger women to be sober, to love their husbands, to love their children. It didn't say a stepchild, a biological child, or whatever. It says children. To love, and if you're in the house as a child, you are the children. To be discreet, chaste keepers at home, good, obedient to their own husbands, that the word of God be not blasphemed. And I want to bring this out. That the word of God be not blasphemed. This means that this is a foundational truth that must be applied to the woman, to the wife, to the mother. Because in verse 5 it says that the word of God be not blasphemed. What does it mean? It means to be defamed, blasphemed. It means to be railed on. It means to be reviled. It means to be spoken evil of. We must not give the enemies of God an occasion or a cause to defame, to revile, and to speak and to speak evil of God. And when, when our, our behavior, and we don't apply these principles in our lives and our behavior and, and, and uh, the way we do things, it's not according to what God has planned out, and, and the world sees that, then that gives them occasion. It gives them occasion. 
Because even, you know, you don't even have to be born again. We have, we have what we call blended families who are not born again. Those folks are not blended. And they will, they will accept those children. They will do for those children. And so they see, vice versa, they see, okay, so you say that you are a child of God. Well, they say, even, even the sinner, the sinner see. How much more should we? Take on the principles and, and govern our lives based on the principles of God. Ephesians chapter, I got two more scriptures for you. Ephesians chapter 6. Ephesians chapter 6. And we're going to look at verses 1 through 3. Okay, here we go. Ephesians 6, verse 1 through 3. Children. Obey your parents in the Lord, for this is right. Honor thy father and mother, which is the first commandment, with promise, that it may be well with thee, and thou mayest live long on the earth. Children, obey your parents in the Lord, your father and your mother. If you are in the house, whatever father, whatever mother is in that house, you are under this guideline. This is the principle. Children, obey your parents. And I'm going to bring this home to you in just a second. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Okay? Let's bring this home. I want you to see this up close and personal. Parents. Look at Luke chapter 6. This is going to be my last scripture. Luke chapter 6. Keep that in mind what we said. Children, obey your parents in the Lord. Luke chapter 2. Let's look at verse 41. And just to give, well, you, well as I read, you'll, you'll find out who we're talking about here. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year. His what? His parents. Now, his parents went to Jerusalem every year at the feast of the Passover. And when he was 12 years old, they went up to Jerusalem. He was 12. He was a child. They went up to Jerusalem after the custom of the feast. And when they had fulfilled the days and they returned, the child Jesus, the child Jesus, tarried behind in Jerusalem. And Joseph and his mother knew not of it. So this is what I want you to, to point out to you. Although Joseph, because we know that Joseph was not Jesus' biological father. He was not his biological father. But it says in verse 41 that his parents, his parents, because he was, he was in, Jesus was a part of the household. So he was a child and he was a part of the household. So he had parents. And verse 40, 43, it says, Joseph and, and his mother. Now, I'm going to say, I'm going to say, it is, so why didn't it say his father and his mother? Why did it say Joseph and his mother? Well, we had already established in verse 41 that these are his parents. It was probably just a reminder, oh, no, this is not his biological father, but it's his parent. You see that? So, so we have to, we have to, again, as we always say, that we have to transform our minds, renew our minds, renew our thinking in the way that we think. We got to think the way God thinks. 
And that's the only way that we're going to be successful. So, yes, we see all of these, all of these principles. It does not, nothing in there ever indicates a step, a blended, a nothing. It's family. It's father. It's mother. It's parent. Bottom line. Amen. And thank you for that, Minister Stinson. I mean, uh, that just ministers so much to me, you know, because if you don't see yourself the way that God sees you, then that's when you come up with these terms like blended. You know what I mean? Uh, a scripture that came to mind um, when I was thinking of this was Galatians chapter 3, verse 28. And, and, and I want you to see this because just like she mentioned Joseph, Joseph saw himself out of the purpose of God. Uh, that's the only reason why he was, I mean, you put yourself in this position, what would you have done? Yeah, you, you can say one thing, but you have to, if, if your mind is not made, if you're, if you're already calling yourself blended, there's some changing in your thought process that needs to be done. So Galatians 3 and 28 says, and, and I'm going to add something at the beginning. In Christ, verse 28, there is neither Jew nor Greek. There is neither slave nor free. There is no male nor female, for you are all one in Christ Jesus. Listen, I'm going to add this. There is no nuclear or blended in Christ. We are all Christ. But blended, in my mind, blended means this is what we're going to do. We're, we're here bringing two sets of standards and two sets of rules. And, and instead, of, instead of us coming together and coming under one standard coming under the lordship of Christ. That's what we're blending. We're going to blend, okay, well, this is how you discipline. This is how you do one thing instead of, but this is how God does it. That's the difference. That's why, you know, in my, in my study time on this, I found out these quote-unquote blended families have a higher divorce rate than just nuclear families because you're trying to blend these different, you know, different things that you've learned that, you're, that you were you were raised in different ways you were raised up, different disciplinary actions, different ways you handle, handle the money, and you're blending, blending your thought process in the way that you think it should be instead of, let's take it to God. Because, like Minister Stinson said, if you're in the house, God hasn't changed his position and the roles for those positions. If you are the, listen, the Bible says there are many teachers, but there, there are a few fathers. If you are a father in that home, you have to take on that role. Take on that position. Put it on. Same thing as a mother. The scripture says, adorn yourself with the meek and quiet spirit. These are things you have to take on. We can't, it's only when we try to do things on our own when we begin to fail. When we just, we fall back on the crutch where we're just a blend, we're a normal blended family. These things happen in a blended family. And, and when you do that, that's when you break down God's intended purpose for the family. That's when you find yourself all out of purpose. So I, I want to give you a few symptoms just so that you can pinpoint things out in your home for the, especially for the, for the person who asked ask this question because there's many more symptoms, but a few symptoms if you're finding yourself in this, I, I like to call it blended family syndrome, if you will. So I said it before, I'll say it again. If there's two sets of expectations or rules or discipline that exist in your house, if the term step is used, because uh, those, again, just like blended, you can't find step in the Bible in God's purpose. If you don't love your, if you love your children more than you love the, if, if you can't love the others as much as you love your own, you know, favoritism. You discipline your children, I'll discipline mine. Uh, another big one, if you and your spouse have separate checkbooks. I got my own bank account, just in case. Because after all, we're blended. If you allow a former spouse or a former family member, grandparent, anything, to interfere with your new marriage and your family. 
if they have your ear more than God does. See, what, what I'm trying, and there's many more, but what I'm trying to get you to understand is that you and your family member, y- y'all are not a lesser version of God's plan. Just because you're a blended family. You, you may be imperfect, but nobody knows better than God how to fix imperfect things by His grace. Uh, my family's imperfect. Your family's imperfect. That, listen, everybody's family's imperfect. That's why we were in need of a perfect Savior. One that can save us. Hallelujah. So, how did He save us? Because He saved us by His grace. But He extended grace to us. And I, and I, I think this bears reminding, especially when we start talking about blended family, because it's so, it's so easy to get caught up in that word. You know, we're blended. You know, we're going to have these issues. We're going to have these troubles. But let's talk about how God extended his grace to you. If you can, let's go to Ephesians chapter 2. And I'm going to start at verse 1 and probably read, let's go through verse 9 because I can't get enough of God's grace. We have to read about it. So it says, verse 1, And you hath he quickened who were dead in your trespasses and sin, where in time past you walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince of power of the power of the air and the, the spirit that now worketh the children in the children of disobedience. You know that same spirit that allows you to call your family blended. Before you walked in that, among whom also we had our conversa- all had our conversations in times past in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of our flesh and, the, and of the mind, and were by the nature of children of wrath, even as others. You know the, the same thing that got you in the position to where you have to you have a different family now. You know the things in the past. That's what it's talking about. But God, but who is rich in mercy, for his great love wherewith he loved us, even when we were dead in, in sins, hath quickened us together with Christ. By grace ye are saved, and hath raised us up together, and made us sit together in heavenly places in Christ Jesus, that in the ages to come he might show the exceeding riches of his grace in his kindness toward us through Christ Jesus. You know, did you know these are the ages to come? Where he can show the riches of his grace in your family, be it, be it blended or nuclear. So you have to allow his grace to work. So, and, and, and then that, that, that term blended will be out there. But let's continue here. I didn't finish here. It says, verse 8, because here's the main point right here. For by grace are you saved through faith, and not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. Not of works, lest any man should boast. See, that's the grace of God. That, the grace of God is that which affords the sinner kindness, favor, goodwill from God. It's God's love and his, his forgiveness extended by the sacrifice of his son. It's a free gift for whosoever believes. Whosoever believes, no matter the past, no matter how your family came to be, this grace is for you. A free gift. I love, I love how it says in Romans chapter 4, I forget which verse, but it says, Blessed is the man to whom the Lord does not impute iniquity. He, don't worry about your past mistakes because I can fix all. I can make all things brand new. He, grace is his, his ability to do, to, to do the impossible in your blended family. But you have to settle your issues. 
because grace has to be, you have to allow grace to work in, in your life. That, that, that means, first off, I have to deny myself. I have to get rid of the excuses. I have to submit to his will, to his way. Otherwise, grace will not be really, it's readily available. This is the dispensation of grace. It is readily available for you. You have to, your total trust has to be in God. You have to cast your cares. You, listen, you cannot put your cares above what God has for you. That's when His grace will be hindered. By, on your part. My security and my trust is in His grace. So how, how does His grace work for my family? And, and I'm going to tell you first and foremost about God's grace working for, you, for your family. It's going to require sacrifice. Uh, you're going to have to be willing to make changes. It requires patience. I, I love how Minister Martin went into that last week. You have to ha- let patience have her perfect work. Listen, it took you years to get to the position you're in. You have to do the work. Uh, and then, like I said, you have to be willing to make the changes. Don't expect other people's attitudes to change until yours does. Until you put in the work. Don't put those expectations. God has an expectation of you. It requires you extending grace like God has extended grace to us. Because grace is true forgiveness. Treat others as God treats you in that household. Your, your biological child or not. And we keep bringing up children because a blended family is only blended because of the children. That's the main, that's the main thing. That's where the issues come up. It requires you to have an adopted spirit. Like God has had for us, you know, the spirit of adoption. We, are, we can now cry out, Abba, Father. That's the same. Listen, those aren't their children. They're yours. And then it requires the faith in God that only He can produce, produce the fruit from the seed that you planted. That's the trust. Because you might not see it today, you might not see it tomorrow, you might not see it six months later, but you have to trust in God and His process. Because, like, like was mentioned earlier, it's His word that's true. This is a tr- this this whole this is a true saying. It does not fail. And one main thing as as well that we cannot forget is it requires prayer. I mean, you and you can't be. You can't be willing to, well, i got to make this happen now. No, don't. Be anxious for nothing, but through prayer and supplication. Don't, be, don't, don't try to make things happen. So that, that, that's why I read that in Ephesians. It's not, it's not of any works of your own. You have to take it to the Lord. If you want to function in the position that he's called you to function in. So, and I, I do want to read a couple of other things as well, because Minister Stencil was mentioning, you know, about about. Fathers and being faithful in ministry. Let's turn to First Corinthians because this not only applies to the male as being the father, but you being in your position in home, this applies to you as well. So First Corinthians chapter four, and I'm going to read verse. Let's see, fourteen through seventeen, and this is you know Paul giving some fatherly guidance. But I want you to understand here as well, the people he's giving this guidance to, he's not their biological father that, that's what I'm saying but he understands the call and position he's been brought to by God so he says I write not these things to shame you verse 14 but as my beloved sons I warn you 
For though you have 10,000 instructors, instructors in Christ, yet have you not many fathers. For in Christ Jesus I have begotten you through the gospel. Wherefore I beseech you, be ye followers of me. For this cause have I sent unto you Timotheus, who is my beloved son, and faithful in the Lord, who shall bring you into the remembrance of, of my ways, which be in Christ, as I teach everywhere in every church. See, those that are called fathers, they're going to bring you into remembrance of the faithfulness of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. See, that's what you need to do in your home. That's not for somebody who, uh, well, this is not God's intended plan, so no, I can't be a father in my home. No, that's for, it doesn't change, like Minister Stinson said. And, and to add on to that, in 2 Timothy chapter 2, verses 1-5, through 5, if you want to continue that, it says, uh, Thou therefore, my son, be strong in the grace that is in Christ Jesus. And, and the things that thou hast heard of me among many witnesses, the same commit thou to faithful men, who shall be able to teach others also. See, God is committing what he has to those that are faithful. Because, listen, there's plenty of homes that don't have fathers in it and mothers in it. But if you're faithful in it, guess what? You're a father in that home. You're a mother in that home if you're going to be faithful to God. And he's going to commit these things to those who are faithful, who are able to teach others, the children in the home. And each other. And I have to finish verses 3 through, through 5. There, thou therefore endure hardness as a good soldier of Jesus Christ. Why? Because back in verse, verse, verse 1, you're going to be strong in the grace that's in Christ Jesus. So you can endure. No man that warth entangle himself with the affairs of this life, that he may please him who who had chose him to be a soldier. See, that's what it's about. It's not about pleasing your, your spouse. Your it's about pleasing God because he's called you to do something in your home. Remember, all of our relationships run through our relationship with God. If we're not faithful to him, we cannot be faithful to anybody else. So I want to identify a few things as well that that make putting two separate families together complicated, and then we're going to apply God's grace in each one. And these are just a few examples. So, you know, I went back to, um, uh, I remember we taught on leaving and cleaving uh, not too long ago, maybe last year or a couple years ago. And, you know, leaving and cleaving, it's, it's found in bringing together uh, our families of different origins is what it does, and, and, and it makes them a new family. But here's the thing, in a family that's made up of different backgrounds and different children from different parents, then the leaving and cleaving becomes more than just the husband and wife. Because now, you know, this, this work, is, it becomes multifaceted, right? Because now you have children as well that have to leave and cleave with you. You're, you're, you're joining the ideas of households, and uh, let's see, let's say you grew up in another marriage, uh, or I'm sorry, hold on, let me find where we are here. But we're joining the ideas of the household we grew up in with another marriage and another family life. There you go. And it's not only hard to choose what should stay or what should go or what should be changed, but it could be a hurtful and painful process because you have children that maybe they don't want to give up certain things from another household. Maybe they're attached to a certain idea. So there's, a, there's certain, you have to proceed with caution. Like I said before, uh, be anxious about nothing. That, that scripture says, the, the Lord is at hand. Be anxious about... Listen, it's his lordship you come under. Be anxious about nothing. But in everything, by prayer and supplication, with thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And then, let patience have a perfect work. 
It also says in that scripture, it says, let your, let your re- let's turn there, Philippians chapter 4, because I don't want to misquote it. Philippians chapter 4, Ephesians, Philippians chapter 4, and I'm going to read verse 5 and 6. Yes. Let your moderation be known unto all men. That, that moderation, that's what I wanted to get to. That means your reasonableness. Uh, uh, let it be known to all men. Your gentleness. In some translations it says it means to love through the struggle. Through the struggle. Handle it with care. You know what that means? That means you have to use kind words when something feels off. And, that, and, and especially when you have children that grew up in a different house. And you're, getting, and you're, and you're letting them know we're going to have to cut off some of these things that are not falling under God's standard. Be kind with it. A kind word. Because remember, these, you're trying to work. They, they also do have a biological parent. And whether or not they're, they're the biologi- that biological parent is in their ear or not, you don't know. But what you do know is that you can give them truth. Proceed with care. Find out. Ask God, where can I honor their past while still moving forward with Christ? Because he'll show you. That, that's, that's what it means when it says Christ is at hand. He's not just in the joyous moments. He's in those, he's in those hard times too. He needs to be if you want to be, be fulfilled. He needs to be in those places where you're about to have that argument, about to pop off. He needs to be there. Not just when things are looking good. Otherwise you're going to fall back to that, that same excuse. Well, we're blended. These things happen. When God says, but I have something so much better for you in Christ. Another thing that's, that's, that's needed, uh, you know, I was talking about the leaving in Cleveland, but another thing that's needed, and we're talking about grace, is forgiveness. These are things that you cannot bring into these, quote-unquote, blended families. Just your family, period. These are things you can't bring into there. Turn to Colossians chapter 3 real quick. I'm almost through, I promise. I'm so sorry. Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read verse 13. It says, Forbearing one another and forgiving one another, if any man have a quarrel against you, against any, even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. See, there's a need for, for spoken forgiveness over each person touched in a, in a quote-unquote blended family that have been affected by a divorce or had, you know, parents that aren't with their biological parents. There's a need for, 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 uh, for forgiveness. Even if that other person was your ex-spouse and did you wrong. You gotta speak forgiveness to your ex-spouse, no matter the circumstance. It's not for their benefit. See, I'm not trying. It's not for them. It's for you and your family to move forward. It, and again, it may it may impact them spiritually in the long term, but it's for you and your family. And you also have to remember that other person is going to be in those children's life, whether you want to or not. And the reason you need to have that forgiveness is because bitterness is really ugly. It will show its ugly face. It'll eat away at your days of joy. <laughs> It'll eat away your nights. It'll hinder your ability to walk in God's grace. And next thing you know, it's been years and years, and you haven't. You're not even in this family anymore because you couldn't get over your hate. You couldn't forgive. You couldn't extend grace. Speak the knowledge of truth and forgiveness over your children. 
They need to know that forgiveness is not only going to reign in eternity, but it's, it's here today. You have to show this. Or your family won't move forward. And one other thing I, I, I do want to mention, and uh, I'll be done after this, my sister, I promise. But you have to recognize the family that God provides. And this is what I mean. You know, when you, when you broaden your definition of family, because here's what God does say about the family. He doesn't say blended is a family, but he does call the body of Christ a family. Those who do his will, those are his family. It's not your mother, it's not your brother. This is scripture. It's those that do his will. That's the family. So that means in a living and active way, if you want God's grace to be a part of your life, you have to be a part of the family, your local church, the family. If you want to wrap your, if you want to wrap your mind around how God helps heal relationships and families, even now I'm talking not even just, not, not just blended family, but single home, parent homes as well. If you believe that his presence is in the body, and everything we need is in his presence, then get in the body. In your local body. He has everything you need. Listen, there's people in, the, in our local body that have been through the things you've been through. They have a past, and they have a future and a present now because of Christ. Now, I'm not saying you have to imitate everything they do, but let them tell you the truth of God. And, and, and if you've been spending time with God, the Holy Spirit will say that. Now, that's the truth. Yeah, you know, if they say, uh, but you need to adorn yourself with a quiet and meek spirit. Oh, well, that's the truth. Oh, well, you need to bring them up in the nurture and admonition of the Lord. Fathers, provoke them not to wrath. Oh, well, that's the truth. Whether I'm their biological parent or not. See, that's the Lord building the house. And unless the Lord builds the house, they either build it, build in vain. And I'm, I'm going to go ahead and stop here. So um, let's go ahead and let's stay in Colossians chapter 3 because I just want to come in. I just want to follow, uh, follow right in what Minister Hill is talking about. We, we, we are talking about parents and, and families, but as a believer, there is a code of conduct. There are things that God has called you to do. He's graced you to do. So in, in, uh, back in Colossians chapter 13, we're just going to start at verse 12, and we're going to read all the way down to 21, and I want you to see that progression. So first in uh, verse 12, it says, Put on, therefore, as the elect of God, holy and beloved, bowels of mercy, kindness, humbleness of mind, meekness, long-suffering, forbearing one another, and forgiving one another. If any man have a quarrel against any... Even as Christ forgave you, so also do ye. And above all these things, put on charity, which is the bond of perfectness. And let the peace of God rule in your hearts, to the which also ye are called in one body, and be ye thankful. Let the word of God, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And whatsoever ye do, ye do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God and the Father by him. So there, there's Christian conduct, but look, look what it goes right into. It doesn't say, now that you, now I need you to flip the page and do something different. No, it's like, this Christian conduct is going to flow. It is part, it is your foundation. And wherever you are in the family, whether you're a wife, whether you're a husband, whether you're a child, 
first first vow, second, whatever you want to call it, you're going to flow. That Christian conduct is going to flow right into that role. So let's go on into that. Verse 18, wives, submit yourselves unto your own husband as it is fit in the Lord. Husbands, love your wives and be not bitter against them. Children, obey your parents in all things, for this is well-pleasing unto the Lord. Fathers, provoke not your children to anger, lest they be discouraged. So the thing about it is God's not giving, you have the ingredients to be in whatever type of family, if you want to describe it, however you want to describe it. And we understand you use words because you want to talk about it and you don't have to tell you 99 things and you can use one. We understand the terms. But understand, blended is a worldly term. We've been telling you that. Don't, don't think that you've got to get outside of what God has called you to do. The conduct that God has given you, the grace to live, the way God has given you, told you to live. You obey that, and it's going to flow into your family. You obey God, you are going to be a godly spouse. Because the one thing about it is, your marriage is not blended. Understand that. You may, you may have come in with children, the, wife, the husband, whoever came in with children, maybe both of you came in with children. But when you got married, you married that person. You're not blended. So, so make sure that you're on one accord with your spouse. Go back to that. You, you Obey God. That's the thing. When you obey God and you submit to him, both, both these ministers have been saying that. Submit your way into God. And then this is a complicated situation. No matter what, it's a complicated situation. But when you submit your way to God, the complicated situation may not change, but he'll show you how to get through that thing. He will show you. He will lead you. He will guide you. I was thinking about it. You know, a lot of times we see the word, we see complicated, and we think complicated is impossible. But remember, what's impossible for man is possible with God. But you've got to give God an entrance. You cannot sit here and think, oh, it's complicated, God. I can't see a way out. I see the way the world does it. I even see the way some people who say uh, they're believers do it. But God, I don't want this. Because it seems to me this person and his family, they're, they're, they're kind of, excuse me, in this question, seems like they're convinced that this is what God has said, but they, they want some reassurance. So we're going to give you some reassurance today. It may sound like, well, oh, all these things are hard. No, all these things are God's plan. He's graced you to do them. Stick it out. Don't give up. You, you, you're gonna, it's complicated. There are some things that you, you got into, maybe it was not God's will. But the thing about it is, God has forgiven you. you got to forgive yourself. Remember that. Don't let your past bring you down. Don't let other people bring your past up. Uh, Minister Hill was talking about it. you got another spouse or, or the, the child's parent. Then you got family members and other people who will try to bring that stuff up and manipulate your family. No. And the thing about it is, learn how to set godly boundaries. You can, you can keep people from manipulating you and getting in your ear without being rude and hateful. You're still going to have Christian conduct. Remember that. You are, you are rooted. You are grounded. Those principles, those fundamental things, that foundational teaching, you're rooted and grounded in the Word of God. So don't try to act out of character to get you back on course. You're never going to get a godly result with ungodly principles. So stick with that godly character. And yes, it may be difficult, it may be complicated, but just wait and watch God. I want to I show you something. Go over to Genesis. Because, you know, um, it's always good to have an example. And I know when we look in the Bible, sometimes we, we think these are, are just like stories, or these are t- things we watch on TV or re- read about in the book. But these are real people. 
These are real people with real feelings, real attachments, real emotions. So we're going to read this, and I'm, we're going to look at a complicated situation with a family that we would not call traditional. But we're going to look at a, complication, uh, a complicated situation. We're going to see obedience to God, and we're going to see God work. So Genesis chapter 21, and this is Abraham. So um, not going to go into a whole lot of detail, but read about Abraham and Sarah and Hagar and Ishmael. But we're going to start at verse um, 8. Well, yeah, let's read 7. No, we'll start at 8. And the child grew, and this is, um, excuse me, this is Isaac that we're talking about now. The child is Isaac. And was weaned, and Abraham made a feast. And the same day that Isaac was weaned, and Sarah saw the son of Hagar, the Egyptian, which, which she had born unto Abraham, mocking. Wherefore she said unto Abraham, Cast out this bondwoman and her son. For the son of this bondwoman shall not be heir with my son, even Isaac. So here Sarah, Abraham's wife, she sees something is not right. She has to give her husband some hard news. So her husband's like, whoa. So here we go in verse 11. And the thing was very grievous in Abraham's sight because of his son. And God said unto Abraham. So here's Abraham. He's upset about this. But listen, he listens to God. And God said unto Abraham, let it not be grievous in thy sight because of the lad and because of thy, of thy bondwoman. And all that Sarah has said unto thee, hearken unto her voice. For in Isaac they shall, thy seed shall be called. And also the son of the bondwoman, listen to this. We, we get that first one, but listen to what God tells him. He comforts him and let him know something about his son. And also of the son of the bondwoman, I will make a nation and because he is thy seed. So Abraham does this and then jump down to 21. He obeys. 20, uh, excuse me, verse 20. And God was with the lad and he grew and dwelt in the wilderness and became an archer. So in this situation, you got a lot of people having to do a, ho- a whole lot of hard things. It was a complicated situation, but what they did was they submitted to God. They obeyed God. Sarah obeyed God. Abraham obeyed God. Hagar did not act a fool. She went. And look what happened. The, the, thing, the thing that's most important, you know, we think of our children sending them, giving them that inheritance passing that turning that knowledge and you know Abraham saw that and he was concerned about it but God said go ahead and do it and I'm going to take care of the child so because he had that Christian conduct he had that character he trusted God he obeyed God he was able to do what God told him to do and he was able to preserve his family so don't discount what God can do when you obey even in these complicated situations amen This has been a teaching message from Church of the Living Water at Austin. For more information about our ministry, please go to our website at livingwateraustin.net.